We gave our testimony, and we talked about the potential of comics, but it didn't matter. By the time we walked out of the building, the world had changed. The cities felt like suburbs, and the conflicts were more bloodless than bellicose. If we were going to be living in a new, sanitized Silver Age, we'd need a case. Somewhere to start in figuring out what comics were now. As we walked through the docks, we started thinking about someone who'd been active since the old days, but we'd never investigated him. Plus, the word around town was that this Aquaman was making a new start for himself. Might be a good place to begin. Uh, uh, hi, my name's John. And I'm pretty sure I'm still Matthew. Yeah, and, and we're the DC detectives. It's our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start. Oh my god, we got retconned! Oh, damn it. That's why Joanne doesn't look the same and all the cars are better and there's good music now. Oh, things are weird in our timeline. If you would all keep up with our meta narrative. Are we are we technically within the same dimension and it was just a changing of the past within that dimension or are we actually oh god. Uh, an alter, are we Earth 617 now? Oh god, what if it was Crisis and we got merged to Earth Prime? There, there was a version of us that was the uh, Detective Society of America instead of the Detective uh, League of America. Oh, boy. Oh, that makes my head hurt. <laughs> um, but this, this retcon surely must mean only one thing, that we have officially transitioned more solidly and focused into the Silver Age. We have. We are in 1959. Like, I thought it was a little bit of a time jump when we did... Uh, I guess it would have been what forty-seven to fifty-four, yeah, but it was now Black we're Canary, yeah, yeah, that, that's true, yeah. Uh, uh, but one way or another, we are now officially in Silver Age comics, and we are starting off with uh, potentially your favorite, maybe my favorite, definitely John's favorite, absolutely <laughs> my favorite. How dare you? We're gonna start uh, with the greatest letter in the alphabet, A. Aquaman. <laughs> uh, uh, that would be the most depressing Sesame Street if you just had like. A is for Aquaman, and you had, like, the Super Friends thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you're going to hear at least me. Uh, I am not an Aquaman fanboy coming into this. Uh, I have not had a lot of exposure to Aquaman. But you're going to hear me enjoying this. And <laughs> y- you can't see, but John, you can hear John's... Uh, m- mania? Yeah. Manically is, yes. is a good term for it. Um, all right, new Joanne. No Anne? No. No, that doesn't... No. We don't want to have, like, a weird, like, Cylon situation. We'll just call her Joanne. So, starting off with a bang, uh, we're going to actually step on our own feet here because I thought this volume was going to be the Golden Age volume of Aquaman when I purchased it. That's right. And it turned out to be the Silver Age because there is no Golden Age collection either via archives or, or collection series of Aquaman. So, we have this version which does not actually have the first appearance of Aquaman. Mm-hmm. So I had to find that. And for those of you who are playing at home, on Kindle, on Amazon, you can buy More Fun Comics, number 73, 1941, which is the first appearance of Aquaman. If you remember, More Fun Comics was usually who we were reading, I want to say, Dr. Fate with. Um, that yeah. sounds right. So he appeared in the same book that Dr. Fate and the Spectre were in. Just to give you a rough idea of how sidelined the character was he wasn't even an action or, de- or detective or flash he was in more fun 
in this comic, this the the one issue I was able to read of Golden Age Aquaman, he is the product of science and kind of Atlantean secrets that his father finds when deep diving and finding what he believes to be the city of Atlantis. It's not really solidly determined, but somehow he just gets a kid. Like, there's no mom, there's nothing. He just experiments on his child, and therefore Aquaman has these abilities. And Aquaman can communicate to fish. He was able to punch a hole in a submarine with his bare hand. and he could That one's interesting, because we don't see... Yeah. Getting a little ahead of ourselves, but we don't see super strength. Right. Uh, he's able to swim very fast. And in this story, he stops some Nazis from destroying ships that have uh, refugees on them. It's pretty <laughs> standard for a first appearance of a character. But that's, that's Golden Age Aquaman. Jumping to our current timeline, Adventure Comics number 260. So huh. this is the same magazine that Sandman huh. was, first pub- was first published in during the Golden Age. Uh, so, Adventure Comics number 260, May 1959. In this story, we get Aquaman's origin and kind of power set right out the get-go. In a very stupidly contrived sequence of events, um, there is an, an American submarine that is testing atomic depth charges, which is a terrible idea in it was all actually done. terms. Oh, I'm sure, but we don't do it now. I don't no, think. no, 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 no. Right. So they're testing atomic depth charges, and Aquaman sees this occurring, and he jumps aboard the submarine after stopping the charges and explains to the captain that he cannot do this here. Not that he can't just do this. He can't do this here. And he begins to explain why. And in doing so, he explains that his father was a fisherman and a man of the sea who found his mother who was adrift on a raft in the ocean. Uh, after saving his mother, who was going to die in a storm, they quickly fell in love and uh, became married, and then they had a child, which is Aquaman. Aquaman starts to exhibit abilities as a young infant that normal humans can't do. For example, he's playing at the bottom of the ocean with for hours at a time, seemingly able to breathe underwater fish seem to listen to him when he's a kid eventually his mother explains while she is dying of some affliction that she is actually a native of atlantis and that she was banished for trying to escape to spend time outside the city because she enjoyed spending time near the surface it's kind of a little mermaid sort of thing i was gonna i was gonna break into song and Yes. Yeah, it's, it's very much, I want to be, I want to, yeah, it's, I want to be where the people are kind of a thing. And, uh, the Atlantean government is kind of like, no dice, sweetheart, you do it too much, you're out of here. And they kick her out, which seems weird. But she then explains that Arthur, Aquaman, they just kind of call, they call him Aquaman. Uh, they don't give him his first name that he has for the rest of the comics. Um, he is a descendant of Atlanteans, therefore he has all these Atlantean abilities but not totally all of them because he's also half human. And he, Aquaman that explains to the subcaptain, who's like, this is fascinating, but why are you telling me this? Because this is not an excuse for me to not test my stuff here. He goes, Atlantis is below you. So don't drop atomic depth charges on Atlantis. <laughs> and, he, and the guy goes, oh, yeah, that'd be bad. Please don't nuke the civvies. Right. And the guy goes, okay, uh, sworn to secrecy, and I'm out of here. A uh, couple things. So, like, the, this this army captain, or naval captain, 
That guy, sworn to secrecy because just like Aquaman's a cool dude, is not going to tell any of his commanding officers when he gets back to base, like, yo, I found Atlantis at these coordinates. Like, I mean, he's got the book tour for life. That's incredible. That's incredibly trusting on Aquaman's part. Um, and at the end of this issue, we also see the city of Atlantis. Aquaman we do, don't we? swims by it and just kind of goes, you know, someday I'll visit. Oh, also we see that Aquaman did get some schooling while he was growing up. Apparently once a year he would go to a school and just take some sort of <laughs> examination. I want to know how his weird sea salt of a father swung that with the, with the school board of the local, you know, like, hey, um, my kid wants to just take a test, a general test of knowledge. That literally has no bearing in your school system, but like, could you get all your teachers in this one in this one district to just be like, what are general questions that a child of his age should know, and then just quiz him for an hour? So I actually wish I knew more about uh, homeschooling because right. so I I was very briefly homeschooled. Uh, my family did a six oh, month. That's right. Yeah, I remember yeah, you told me about we that. We did the six month trip to Europe, and during that time, my parents were like, "Hey, we have to teach you for this one like half year that you're gone." Uh, and that was eighth grade for me, the, the second half of eighth grade. So the key thing going for placing into high school was, okay, what level of uh, math are you qualified for? So right. that was really what we focused on. And everything else was like, okay, yeah, you're already well written. Uh, and it's not like you're going to test out of any levels of English or such. Right. Uh, but they may actually have, like, I don't know about at the time. My guess is at the time it was way less organized, but... My guess is that generally homeschooling does have that kind of, okay, you have to meet these minimal criteria, uh, prove that you've learned these things, and say that your your curriculum has these things in it. Um, yeah, like a once a, once a year kind of come in and testing. That being said, coming in and just reciting facts about fish is it's not weird. exactly what yeah. I would think of as core curriculum. That's weird as shit, and that's a weird kid, and he's never <laughs> going to have friends. Like, that's just oh, bottom yeah, line. Oh, yeah, no, no, that kid is, that kid is fish boy. Every grade, every grade's going to be like, is that the fish kid? Is this, is it, <laughs> is it t the time of year that fish boy shows up and just says shit about fish for, like, no reason? Everything that he does is just through the frame of aquatic stuff. His book report is on the old man of the sea. Oh, no. That's a bad time. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. oh, man. Physics is just tide mechanics. Uh, that would work. That'd be cool. Like how the moon affects tides. Ooh, yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. cool. Uh, Adventure Comics number two sixty one, June fifty nine. Aquaman fights the Animal Master, who just seems to be a dick of a animal trainer in a circus who tries to use animals to commit crimes, thinking he's going to be the Aquaman of the land, which would just be Landman, which sounds way less cool. And that sounds stupid. It does. <laughs> it really does. Like it, that's. That's a Mega Man villain. Yeah. So this guy, you know, tries to escape on the ocean from committing a crime. Aquaman stops him, crashes his boat. The guy gets marooned on an island, trains the animals to be mean, and then kind of hoodwinks Aquaman into coming onto the island. And basically Aquaman's finny friends uh, just beat up all the land animals, which is a weird sort of like, ocean beats land, loser. So let's clarify, because this is something that I'm going to touch on later on. Uh, when we say, it's not so much a beating up in this case. It's like... Subduing. Yeah. It's subduing. Uh, like, oh, the octopi has... The octopus has this big land animal in basically a grapple. Right. 
Uh, also, I'm going to call... There are two times I'm going to call bullshit on the animal in which Aquaman deals with. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of them is a water buffalo. No, yep. no, that's not how that works, Aquaman. That animal is not an aquatic animal. That's just an animal that chooses to stand in water a lot. But we're going to get to the second one in a bit. Adventure Comics, number 262, July of 59. Aquaman opens an undersea hospital. Basically an undersea vet hospital for all of his fish friends. And this is the first appearance of the character Topo. Topo is his sidekick octopus dude. First time it appears in in name. Th- first time, first or, time name appearance. First time it appears in these com- in this selection of comics. Uh, Topo has apparently already been around since '56. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, so this is the first instance in, I guess, the new reboot mm-hmm. that we have seen Topo, and Topo is Topo just, is the best. Topo's just an octopus <laughs> that's like really smart, clever, and cool, and Aquaman just hangs out with him a lot. For those of you who have seen Young Justice, Topo is the little uh, octopus kid that Calderon meets when he goes back to Atlantis, and he goes like, "Hey, what's going on, Topo?" And then Topo makes that cool moving mural thing. What the what? That's Topo. Holy crap! That's awesome. It's a, a deep cut of that oh, character. Oh wow! So just that's neat. I, if, I, if I you think care. Topo's been reimagined a couple times. Yeah. Like it, it's. I think in comics he's like a undersea monster, and it's like, oh. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple times, you know, where Topo is a monster, but if you think of Cthulhu but cute, um, that's Topo. Yeah. Like, he just has no wings, and he's got, like, a squid head and a human body, and that's Topo. He's just a, a dude. Um, but as of right now, he's just an octopus. Octopi are the best. Right. Um, yeah, Aquaman helps all these different creatures under the sea with their various ailments and or injuries. And during a crime, Aquaman is shot trying to apprehend the bad guys. He's shot and wounded, which is mm-hmm. the key thing that I'll bring up later. And the fish and other animals operate on him and help him convalesce, which are some really, really smart fish. Uh, Adventure Comics number 263, August 59. Aquaman helps elect a honest poli- an honest politician to a new seat, like a governor, I believe, or, or mayor. And he uses the sea creatures to help get the word out, and they also uh, stop a crooked politician from winning. Uh, second animal that I'm going to call BS on that Aquaman can deal with, seagulls. No. That's right. Just because yeah. it's got sea or water in the name does not mean that it is a thing that you have dominion over, sir. I, I, mm, that's like an annexed area of your kingdom, <laughs> whatever that is. And oh, I don't, I don't it's like a... that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Adventure Comics number 264, September 59. Aquaman becomes sheriff for a town that's kind of flooded like Venice. Apparently there is a continental shelf shifted, this town flooded. It's kind of just grown on the people that live there. They've kind of just adapted to living in a canal city and Aquaman volunteers to be sheriff for a little bit to help them deal with the new water-based crime that they have. And then the city starts to kind of drain because, you know, water is filling back into the continental shelf and they don't want it and Aquaman plugs up the hole that is draining the city and they are forever the america venice the true american venice city adventure comics number 265 october 59 a guy tells aquaman to bury a huge safe underwater for him just kind of like don't ask questions but can you bury this gigantic safe that's like the size of a train car it's not a small safe and in doing so aquaman's like i wonder what the hell this is about a bunch of people try to like deep dive and break into it so he ha- he obviously kind of takes a peek after some people have made a successful attempt to break into it and it's just a giant block of like of wood or stone or something it's a fake safe 
And he confronts the guy, and the guy says, yeah, it was to hide the evidence that I was counterfeiting. And Aquaman's like, oh, this evidence that I found? Yeah, um, you gotta confess, or I will, you know, whatever. I don't know. Like, basically, mm -hmm. it's kind of a flimsy story of just Aquaman doing water things for no reason. We're gonna go to Adventure Comics number 266, November 59. Aquaman meets Aqua Girl, Lisa Morrill. Uh, Lisa Morrill's a blonde chick that sees Aquaman. Do we... Do we hear the name Moral? Not also? that I'm aware of. Uh, that, this is the first appearance and the only appearance of this chick. Something. Um, but Lisa Moral sees Aquaman struggling with a giant clam at the bottom of the ocean. She jumps down to get to him and saves him. And oddly enough, she's able to breathe underwater and do some Aquaman type things like communicate with fish and swim really fast. Aquaman says, hey, well, I guess if you have the ability to do this kind of stuff, uh, maybe I'll train you to be my partner in this. And... They do this for a few days. There's some weird... There's a situation where Aquaman's showing her, like, this is how fast we can swim, and these are the types of things that I can do. And while they're doing this, as an example of the BS that people throw at Aquaman, um, there's a ship. Yep. There's a ship yep. where it's like, hey, Aquaman. Oh, here we go. Here, here's the exact word bubble. Help us, Aquaman. We chartered this boat to celebrate a friend's birthday, but all the musicians got seasick this morning. We've got the instruments, but no musicians. Why is that a thing you would call Aquaman for? Why Why would you think Aquaman could help you with this? And of course he does, because apparently Topo is just great at doing everything. Topo is the best. Topo's the great... The Topo was animals. a lie detector in the previous story. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's uh, one thing I will call out, though, I, so I agree, like that, it feels a little out of nowhere, and it's like, nah, this doesn't fit tonally with the rest of it, specifically as a people asking for help and him like stopping on patrol rather than like if Aquaman were just chilling, chilling out somewhere and someone came up and said hey our our band got broken not broken up uh, can you help in some way like Aquaman is the kind of bro who would pitch in right however like going out of his way however the important thing here is it lasts what three panels right and but like, I will come back to it later in the but, end yeah. of the at the end of the summary um, but at the end of this story Lisa loses her powers about a week or so into their shenanigans and doesn't know why and then Aquaman realizes that she has purple eyes which his mother told him meant that the person was of Atlantean birth but had genetic defects so Lisa is actually an unwanted child from the city of Atlantis the second they see that somebody has purple eyes it usually means that they are not able to survive the environment of Atlantis as a baby and then would die so they put the baby in like a ship looking escape pod they send it to the, the top of the ocean and hope somebody finds it and lisa was one of those kids and i hope they've got a good track record for those pods yeah being god, found. god willing uh but lisa loses her powers and she is aqua girl no more adventure comics number 267 december 59 uh, uh two gangsters known as the shark and the wizard break out of prison and they try to do a reverse land and sea crime spree now the shark is used to being attacked by aquaman because he used to do uh, aquatic crime and the wizard is used to doing land-based crime and being stopped by the green arrow so they switch it up the shark goes to do land crime the wizard goes to do water crime thinking that they can outsmart the other's arch nemesis doesn't work out so well for them aquaman starts to wear this like water helmet thing it's basically a reverse mm -hmm. diver's helmet so that he can stand on land because for whatever reason we now have the arbitrary rule that Aquaman can now only be on dry land for an hour. It's never established. It's never never before in any of the other situations where we have had plenty of time of him being on land and not having a problem that we're just now suddenly he can only be on land for an hour. 
And cool. it's, it's such a short period of time. Like, I'm just going in my head, just everything that has one of those restrictions should use the year timetable. Right. Of once every three days. Right. It's three a days. three days. It's a completely arbitrary thing. So he he ends up catching the shark. Uh, the next issue is actually really funny. Um, it's a Green Arrow issue that ties into this, and we see Green Arrow stop the wizard by using underwater methods, and it was kind of uh, cute and funny because he's got Speedy with him, and they've got little divers' outfits on. They're shooting arrows underwater. It's 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 fun, but that's the first instance that we've ever seen outside of a team book of two characters meeting each other, aside aside from Johnny Thunder and Black Canary. True. And even then, that's because she was spun off. Right. Yeah. But this uh, is the first time we've seen so, her like, hey, buddy, kind of a thing. So that's the first time that we've seen that. Uh, I think it feels like that's happening a lot more frequently like around this time because uh, they have characters appearing in multiple... Uh, characters and iterations of characters appearing in multiple uh, comics at once. Uh uh, I'll talk about this a little bit right. more, but uh, we've got uh, Superboy is one of the stories in here, which of course crosses over with everything Superboy and Superman does. Uh, Lois Lane, apparently, right. I think, has her own book. Yeah, Lois uh, Lane, uh, Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, mm -hmm. and Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen are both comics. That's the right. Yeah. Um, Adventure Comics two sixty eight June uh, January nineteen sixty Happy New Year. Aquaman tries to help a blind man who refuses to believe that Aquaman exists and basically <laughs> just kind of says, like, dude, I'm Aquaman. Don't, don't you remember when I was a kid? I helped you and blah, blah. It's a very superfluous story that doesn't really help it do anything other than just have a, a, a story that is about tiny Aquaman as a kid. Because the next, the next issue, Adventure Comics, number 269, February 1960, Aqualad shows up. This is Aqualad that, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the original, original Teen Titans, this is Garth. Right, yeah. He doesn't have a name in this, it is Aquaman, so that doesn't really bother me. So it's Aquaman and Aqualad. Aqualad shows up in one of those pods that, remember Lisa Morrill being a reject Atlantean? Aqualad's found in one of those by Aquaman, and Aquaman sees that Aqualad has purple eyes. However... Aqualad is able to survive underwater just like he is and is able to do all the things that he can do. So he's like, why are you sent out here? And it's because Aqualad is afraid of fish. And I'm like, that's a stupid reason to kick someone out of your society, <laughs> you jerk Atlanteans. So Aqualad was kicked out of Atlantis for being afraid of fish and Aquaman just spends the entire issue making him not afraid of fish. And he's like, I don't want to go back to Atlantis because he's like, well, now you're not afraid, you should go home. He's like, I don't want to because I guess you can live with me now because... Who the hell else are you gonna live with? <laughs> he goes, sure thing, Mister. So a lot of a lot of adopting small children that you aren't necessary. Uh, the next issue is Adventure Comics number two seventy, March nineteen sixty. Aqualad is acting strange after Aquaman and he go to a fortune teller that says Aquaman may be in danger from someone new in his life. And what ends up happening is that Aqualad is just kind of taking souvenirs and little things that he finds you know, over the course of the comic that makes him either not be there when Aquaman needs his help or makes him seem suspicious to make a small cave home for the two of them, which is kind of sweet and cute, mm -hmm. but it was unnecessary for him to be so secretive. Um, and so weirdly nefariously looking secretive. Mm -hmm. Like, he looks evil in certain yeah. scenes. And I'm like, why Why do you look evil and not like, this is going to be fun? Like, why do you look evil and not coy? Or, mm -hmm. like you know cute or giggly it's like he looks nefarious and aquaman's suspicions look rightly founded <laughs> bad writers bad writers don't try to force us towards a, a supposition that is 
profoundly incorrect and wouldn't even look that way. I would I would say that's bad art because uh, the artist isn't well, able to draw a, a convincingly my, cute face or something. My guess is that they got direction from the writer on, hey, it looks all kinds of like villainous. Right. Uh, that'd be my guess. Technically, yeah, the issue is called the Menace of Aqualad, so that doesn't really paint <laughs> a, a good picture of Aqualad. Hmm. Action uh, Adventure Comics number 271, April 60. There's a guy doing a Noah's Ark bit. He's just basically scamming people into thinking that he's just a crazy old coot with an anim- with a ship full of animals. But really what he's doing is he's creating storms by pumping ocean water into the air so that he can siphon out the particles of gold and make gold stuff. Which is kind of clever and really neat. Uh, but then Aquaman and Aqualad stop him and nobody cares. <laughs> uh, Adventure Comics number 272, May 60. A guy in a flying fish costume does aquatic themed crimes and becomes a problem for Aquaman because he's kind of stealing his bit yeah. but then Aquaman and Aqualad stop him and it's not really a big deal so this guy doesn't even become like a super villain so much as just that guy's got a gimmick and it mm. didn't work and that's about it kind of just like a Batman one time off bad guy or something like that or mm. he's not even like more of a Superman villain than anything yeah um, so that's the stuff we're going to cover this episode with Aquaman as far as summary goes but here's the thing we're going to talk about a couple stuff with Atlantis just in, in general. So Atlantis, the city, is not a nice place to live by all accounts because they routinely banish their citizens for just wanting to like go on vacation or, or, or satiate their curiosity. And they banish children who are afraid of fish. Like there's, no, there's nothing physically wrong with Aqualad. Nothing, no reason he should be banished at all from that civilization other than, I just don't like fish. They freak me out. Like, there's nothing wrong with Aqualad. So, from the way I read it, the the way at least the writing was trying to portray it was, if he's here, he's just going to be freaked out 24-7. Like, we have fish everywhere. And You walk down your street, there's a big old catfish sitting outside your door. So, I think this is too early for that smart of a comic. I think it's. I think mm-hmm. this is in the era when these people would have viewed him as an undesirable, as opposed to looking out for his well-being. I don't think the writing is that emotionally developed. I honestly think it would require more emotional development for it to be. Oh no, Atlantis is actually fucked up. Well, it already is. They're already banishing people. It's not that hard to Which make is the a strip. thing that shows up once. Well, no, but that's that doesn't matter. That just sets the precedent that it's a thing that they do, and they also just jettison children away, like the Spartans. So they're already like pretty okay with getting rid of babies. Let me look at the wording because the way that <laughs> I read this was really, at least the writing was trying to con- uh, convince me that every instance were... of every instance of the purple-eyed people seems to be largely they're defunct get rid of them see i read that more as like a krypton kind of thing of we have to send them away that's the only but way there's no survive. there's no writing from the atlanteans to give me the impression that it's that it's out and, of a caring perspective it's, and to me that reads as just sloppy fucking writing well I, I, I don't know they have writing from literally everybody in these everyone's got something to say like mm-hmm. the friggin octopus has a character <laughs> like the fact that they don't have text bubbles any Atlanteans at all seems weird to me because you know we had comics um, yeah it's just like they got rid of them 
No, they they do have uh, specifically they have uh, thought bubbles. Oh, okay. Uh, alas, purple eyes—the hereditary warning of a throwback to our Earth ancestors. That to me, uh, I mean, they're probably going to be better examples, but to me, it read like a poorly constructed. We have to do this for their own good. Yeah, I don't know, uh, but I I didn't get the impression that that Atlantis was a uh, utopia. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely agree. With yeah, that. it doesn't like the it, fact that Aqualad didn't want to go back, whether or not. Yeah. once he got over being afraid of fish, you know, like because maybe his dad was a nice dude, but you know, and he be now that he's cool, he could want to go back to his friggin' family instead of live with this hobo in the water, because that's literally <laughs> what Aquaman is: is a hobo who lives can, in the can ocean. Can we just call him Water Hobo? Yeah, Water Hobo. Secondly, Aquaman never goes to Atlantis. Mm-hmm. He gets it, like within fifty feet of the jettison door. When he goes to swim Aqualad back to Atlantis. He, like, no one's been... Hey, who's that dude outside? Outside the gate. Like, there's no person, like, looking at the Jettison, like, Bay just standing there. And so nobody's, you know, just taking a walk outside going, Hey, there's a dude in, like, an, a, an orange and green outfit who seems to be really good at swimming. Do we want to talk to this guy? Like, it, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that in those instances, like, there especially, because it's right at the end of the story, it's like, Okay, you got eight yeah. pages. Well, that... But it surprises me there hasn't been a story about Atlantis. Yeah, like him just visiting, going like, yo, my mom is Atlantean, and I guess I'm Atlantean too. Like, uh... especially, like, the idea that, hey, I'm the one who can go back and forth. He's like, like he's the uh, he's he's the guy who visits Candor. Uh, right, yeah, he's the, he's the perfect ambassador for, mm-hmm. their, for their race, or just to be like, yo, so like, you've been living amongst humans. Would they be chill if, like, we showed ourselves? They'd be like, no, because they're like dropping atomic death charges in the ocean just for fun, <laughs> so probably not. Um, secondly, we're going to talk about Aquaman and the band. So we we already discussed, you know, Topo being the best, you know, one one octopi uh, band that there is, but it's Aquaman's fault that he's being taken not seriously because he does shit like that. So conversely, Batman and Superman would do silly things to help people who were in genuine need they would play football they would do you know like even even like the the christmas stories um you'd have like fighting bad guys who are doing bad stuff at orphanages so that someone could play santa claus correctly you know it's aquaman is just doing things because he's bored it seems like and i think that's that is a what's the the term it's a it's a side effect of him just living in the ocean so because he has no standardized base of operations which is not a large city or area that has multiple cities aquaman isn't around a lot of crime crime like he deals with crime clearly we see him do that or even like pirates and stuff or bad salvagers or what have you but there's not a lot of like ocean muggings or Mm. you know deep sea murders or rackets happening on the water you know on luxury cruise liners that aquaman can just be like oh a racket you know like he's not really in a position that allows him to kind of find and investigate these issues the most superhero thing that he did was be the sheriff for the town that had the canals that was the closest to like superman Mm -hmm. he ever got and because He's just kind of swimming around doing shit. 
I think when he does things like this, like help the people out with the band, it's like, I'm lonely. I haven't spoken to anyone in two days except this octopus and three whales. You need a band? Let's do it. And, and I'm like, so now everybody knows that you're the guy that they can give odd jobs to. And that makes you... Like, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, obviously it's just writing of the time. I'm not saying, like, this is bad writing or whatever, because that's just what they were trying to do with this character who is largely tied to the ocean. They're just trying to give him things to do. But in the universe version, if Aquaman is considered a joke, like we see in the DC universe, he's not doing himself any favors by doing these small job crap that, like, there's no lives at stake here. No one's purse was stolen. You got an octopus to play a one-man band for, for some birthday party. Like... <laughs> That's the equivalent of showing up at a kid's birthday party and signing autographs. That's like booster gold levels of selling out. <laughs> oh, no. Like, it's really weird. I'm like, you're not doing yourself any favors here, man. Like, yeah, you stop crying, but you're also the guy that made a bunch of flying fish spell out a message and help a guy get mayorhood. <laughs> you're that guy. So I think in there you hit on the key bit that it is... As part of the meta understanding of the character, yeah. it is playing into that role of oh yeah, you're the you're the joke guy, and that bit I'll absolutely agree with. Um, and I think the versatility of his power kit because it's I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this in a bit, but the idea of he's essentially a Disney princess, yeah, and. When you are a Disney princess and you can command animals to do whatever you want and it's interesting and uh, novel and unique, uh, yeah, they, like, who doesn't want to see... It's one thing to see Batman play a double bass. It's another thing to see an octopus play a double bass and a uh, fiddle and etc. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're right that part of it is the power set, but, yeah, I can absolutely see, like, oh, from this to the... Oh, you're the guy who does odd jobs kind yeah. of uh, role. In yeah. the Justice League, Aquaman is the only guy playing playing at that birthday party. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> yep. It's like, no one else is going to be like, nah, man, I got shit to do. There's like, there's like, there's Nazis to fight, man. I can't be playing a band for a group of people who got, who didn't pack Dramamine for their band. <laughs> like, I got, bitter, I got bigger stuff to do. And I just think it's funny <laughs> that, like, and, that's where that baby would start within universe. And I think it's also like, that it's not just the power set that's Disney Princess, it's also like the characterization is yeah. super just happy to help. Yeah. Just, oh, here's an interesting scenario. Yeah, I've got time for it. Yeah. And yeah, that means he takes on a lot of a lot of dumb jobs. Yeah. He's he's very genuinely nice and endearing mm-hmm. and helpful. Yep. And that's not a bad thing. Like mm-hmm. I like I like this version of Aquaman. I think it yeah. fits very well for the time period, oh, which yeah. is and, and I think it's also fitting that he's in adventure comics. This is an adventure comic. This isn't a superhero comic. None of what Aquaman does is particularly superhero-esque mm. compared to the other people that we're going to be seeing at the same time period. Like, once we get Green Lantern, I'm going to show you the difference between Green Lantern storytelling and what he deals with on the day-to-day versus mm. Aquaman, who's doing this kind of crap. Um, True. So that's yeah. We we don't even see like space robots, which is something that's happening in Batman at this point. In time. Well, like the most villainous thing that he dealt with was the the gangster who didn't go in water because he didn't want to get caught by Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Everything else was like weird hijinks 
high C's, yeah. high jinks. And that's fine. It's it's great for kids. This is an easy read. It's mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah. It's light reading. Um, you know, you mentioned the art early uh, earlier in the episode. It's Johnny Quest art. Yes. Oh wow. So yeah. like the old Johnny Quest cartoon that you used to, like if you have Boomerang and you watch an old Johnny Quest, it's that. It's great. It looks awesome. It's very much of its time. It's very 1950s. And it's great and I love it. And I'm so glad we're doing it because it's just it's such a treat to see this kind of style now after the 30s of how many more mobsters can we do? How mm. many more rackets? How many more fake swamis or, you know, fake constellation readers can we do before this gets tired? And yeah. it got, you know, we, we ran that shit <laughs> to the ground. Yeah. We can see why they switched genres as an industry, not just as a fad, as an industry, why they switched genres. Because we've hit all the high notes with that stuff. This is the clean slate. And so far, this is the most golden age, I think that we're going to see. This is the most golden age comic that we'll see in the Silver Age. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Especially because I suspect well, when we transition over to other characters, they're going to be a little uh a little bit later on, right? Uh when does Well, no, Green well, Lantern Green Lantern's 59 as well. They're they're really? happening concurrently. Really? Yeah. So, it's going to be I didn't that, that's that. the thing is like the comparison's going to be really stark when you see like mm-hmm. The Guardians, and My mm-hmm. Ring, and Missiles, and, and Only Yellow, and like Sinestra, and you're like, what the hell is this book compared to Aquaman? Which is literally happening at the same time. That trips me out. So that, that trips that, me out That's lot. what's going to be the really cool comparison, being like, wow, um, these comics are weird compared to what, the, what else they're putting out, and why that character got famous. Mm-hmm. Alright, uh, so my stuff is probably not going to wind up taking a whole bunch of time, but it's interesting because what I wound up focusing on was essentially getting some context for this, especially since we did a uh, 12-year time jump from the last time we actually looked at superhero comics specifically. It's well worth doing. Yeah. So I talked a little bit about Disney Princess. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a bit about that, specifically in the context of how Aquaman resolves conflicts. He uses his animal friends to save the day in some eccentric novel way. Like, the fun is sort of the the phrase that kind of stuck out when you were going through the list. It's it's very creative in the things it does. Even though it's like, okay, a lot of it is very uh, ground level. Mm-hmm. It's still like, the situations are kind of interesting. American Venice. Yes. Yeah. Speedboats instead of cars. I am so down for eight pages yeah. of this and then done. Noah, uh, Noah, snake oil salesman guy. Like yeah, all that. All that. Yeah. I'm down for all of that. Uh, and then his method of resolving those conflicts. His power, really, his only power is the animals. And it's what interesting thing can happen with these animals. Uh, the analogy that I've used is not just Disney Princess, but weaponized Disney Princess. Yeah. Or uh, this is what Disney Princess would look like if Disney Princess were a D and D class. Oh, I figured it out. Mm-hmm. He's Rapunzel from Tangled. Quite possibly, I haven't um, like sat down. And so he, he's Rapunzel from Tangled, not Merida, because Merida is straight up Disney Princess Wonder Woman. She's combat ready. Merida is actually a like has some combat skill. Mm-hmm. Rapunzel is like fighting with frying pans and using her hair. This that's Aquaman. Oh, like, this is. 
Aquaman's plans, like, Aquaman's use of animal friends is sort of the equivalent of Jackie Chan with improvised weapons. Yes. If you hand him a ladder, it, it's the same as if you hand Aquaman an octopus. Exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> if you he, give an Aquaman an octopus. Exactly. He's. <laughs> I mean, like, the octopi in this comic are shooting bow and arrows. The flying mm-hmm. fish are flying to make SOS sig- uh, signals. He's using pilot fish to light the way for, for ships that have no lights. Like, mm-hmm. uh whales to to lift uh ships that are sinking it's whales to form a a a runway or for them to land on it's just like oh well done and i maintain the moment that they start reusing uh shticks and it feeling like they're repeating themselves is the moment this is all going to stop being fun because i really enjoyed these comics but yeah it all comes down to that creativity uh in the writing Mm -hmm. um so I, the other thing that I think really sells this, in addition to the innovativeness, uh, is that Aquaman really does care about his animal companions. It's not just a power set. We kind of t- I talked a little bit about how it's not just the power set; it's also the attitude. And yeah, that the Sea Patrol, I think they call it at one point, uh, yeah, is their plot hooks and friends as much as their tools. Uh, the Disney princess aspect is reinforced whenever he shows care for them, like the undersea hospital he sets up for wounded sea animals, or there's an earlier uh, story uh, before what we look at where the U.S. Navy has him evacuate all the sea animals from an area so that they can test an undersea nuke. Mm. Uh, And Topo, as the face of the posse, is just awesome. He's a friendly neighborhood octopus. What? How could you not like him? He's the best startup for a replacement doiby dickles that we've got so far oh yeah because that's and all he, topo is yeah and he doesn't talk so he doesn't kind of ruin the immersion he doesn't change the tone it's just here's this kind of playful uh octopus octopus although like the playfulness usually comes out in the things that aquaman tells him to do rather than like any personality of his own He's not so yeah, much. He's not Jabberjaw, all right? Like, he's not like a... You're not familiar with Jabberjaw? Ooh, that's a, Hanna, that's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, thick Scooby-Doo, but with a giant shark. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's what Jabberjaw was. Oh, like. that makes me happy. Everyone who knows Jabberjaw. Yuck, 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 yuck. There you go. You oh, God, there's a shark that says that? Oh, yeah. Uh, there was oh. a... Oh, God, he sounded like one of the Three Stooges. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Whew, deep cut for all you Boomerang fans tonight. Uh, but just... Yeah, he he has he doesn't speak. The, the only thing I would allow Topo to do that would anthropomorphize him at all would be to give a tentacle thumbs up. Yeah. Anything I, beyond that would be stupid. I don't necessarily agree that it would be stupid, but I think it would have to be really well executed. Or right now, yeah. he is like he is the face of the animals and doesn't get in the way of anything. He doesn't draw excessive attention to himself. Yeah. It's just Oh, the way this power plays out, the way that this conflict resolution plays out, is interesting and zany right. and, ex- and innovative. Oh, a more a more easily accessible reference. He's not Flounder from yeah, Little Mermaid. You're right. He's not. He is Flounder. not the Disney sidekick because he doesn't talk. Right. You're right. He doesn't get the attention on him. Uh, and that sort of talking about that, like that personality and the kind of zaniness, the Disney princessness, segues nicely into conversations on violence and tone. Uh, important note like early Flash and some of the Superman stories we covered the primary goal is to make you laugh not to feel tension these aren't thrillers Uh, fun really is like that word these stories are pretty much nonviolent. yeah Uh, Aquaman never throws a punch 
Really? Uh, I don't. I, I, I was looking through and I couldn't remember. Like the only thing I've seen him ever do. I feel like the is, animal master is the guy he knocks out. Uh, I don't think he does. Yeah, he Let does. Let's take a look. Oh yeah. Snaps All right. So we got clocks one punch. Right across the jaw. Um, probably shark gets hit. I don't know. I'm gonna double check. Uh, yeah. Let's take a look. But yeah. Go uh, ahead. While I, while but, I look. Uh, yeah. And. The, the one thing that he does, like, consistently is he'll, like, make a whirlpool to spin people around to uh, disorient them enough to give up. Uh, we saw that with uh, Flash at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Sea Patrol is the same way. It's not like he's not uh, thro uh, tackling people and leaving that to his whales. It's the Sea Patrol, like, they tangle boat propellers. That's the kind of thing that they do. Like, well, I guess I've been disabled by the, this chicanery. Yeah. Uh, this isn't an abnormal level of violence. Uh, they could have gotten a bit more violent. Like, I actually, the the punch is the only punch of a person outside of a boxing ring uh, by a protagonist uh, that I saw in any of the comics I looked at. I wound up looking at. Uh, 28 other stories from 1959, uh, some Superman, some Batman, and the other adventure comics that ran alongside this. How? How hmm? did you do that? Uh, totally legitimate means. Okay. But one way or another, I did look at other stuff that was out at this time, and of those of those stories, so the Superman comics, the only time that a good guy takes violent action, it's an NPC, and they knock out a crook who Superman says that he isn't going to, like he's honor bound not to. Mm -hmm. uh, Batman, he does the like swing into guys from a rope, uh, like that kind of swing tackle that you can imagine. God, what's his name? The guy who always plays a pirate uh, back in the fifties. Yes, the Errol Flynn maneuver. Errol, Finn or Flynn, but regardless, uh, you know Errol who we're Flynn. talking I think about. Er, I think Errol Flynn. Uh, and Green Arrow does the same. Uh, Batman gets in a boxing match, but it's like, okay, you punch someone in a boxing match, that's different. Uh, Green Arrow does at one point, like, I think Speedy knocks a statue onto a couple folks. But it's like, compare that to the violence we saw. There aren't the drawn-out sequences where Batman is, like, throwing punches and every panel is him punching or kicking somebody and him saying a pun. There isn't that. We are definitively in the post-code era. But... Other than that, like, so we've got those few instances of violences and violence. And remember, it's 28 stories, not 28 issues. But across 28 stories, that low a level of violence, that's a major departure. Uh, what we're seeing really is trick violence is sort of what I'm calling it. Uh, like, Topo will shoot four bows at once to shoot arrows to pin people's clothes to wall. Uh, the Sea Patrol tangles propellers. I brought up that example. Aquaman spins people until they give up. So I think that's the key thing to latch onto. That's the kind of violence that is accepted at this point. Uh, and worth noting, like I think this is the thing that especially encapsulates it. Uh, Green Arrow at this time has the nickname of the Wizard Archer, which I think communicates it great because he's not firing arrows. He's casting a spell that has a specific effect. He, superheroes at this point are debuffers they're not dps yeah which is really really weird in some ways but on the other hand like when it's executed well you do have like okay aquaman has all these interesting and innovative innovative ways of using his animals but yeah so that's sort of something that we're probably going to see for a while in at least aquaman and existing comics 
because it's really like the kinds of stories are these like uh, I almost want to say folksy or down home rather yeah. than like handling something that is like a crisis uh, something that puts people in peril it's like you know like when he was a when he was a cop in the American Venice like his thing was dealing with speeders uh, there was one group that one uh, family that got held up by a diver but it's like by and large, it's gonna be like, oh, this is an interesting little story. Like They're tall tales. Yes, that's a actually a really good way to put it. Like I'm just gonna rattle off some of the other things that I'd uh, seen in other stories that I read. Louis, Lois seems to be a ghost. Clark is a fireman. Clark falls in love with a mermaid. Uh, kryptonite. Superman ends up having to grant monkey's paw wishes to a crook. Uh, <laughs> I just have Mister Mixelspit. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I wanted to also get a feel for the gender ratio of readers. So through these uh, ways that I had of reading the comics, like they have in there, like it's the entire thing, like cover to cover. So I got to read the letters column hmm. and look at the names that were in there of people whose letters they were printing. Now, as always, uh, without knowing how they gathered these, we can't say if they were statistically significant because they could have chosen to... Uh, have more or less uh, uh, women uh, submitted letters rather than uh, versus like the proportion that were submitted. But one way or another, it's interesting that about 19% of letter senders were definitively female names. Hmm. Uh, there were an okay amount that were like indeterminate, like Terry, stuff like that. I threw in the uh, uncertain pile, but 19% definitively female, which isn't huge a little bit more like context of the history of aquaman i guess not even that per se but so this volume is kind of choosing an arbitrary issue of where to start uh it's kind of because it's specifically the point at which the new the new origin is introduced and that is sort of apparently pointed to as this is the first confirmed appearance of Earth-1 Aquaman. Yeah. But it's not like Aquaman went away and came back. Like, there had been tons and tons of uh, previous issues of Adventure Comics that had Aquaman stories in them. And there isn't a clear delineation. There's not... Uh, the only thing that really changes right away is, okay, the new origin. Then a little bit later we have, okay, we get Aqualad and they try and they have a story with an Aqua girl, uh, and then she disappears and be heard from again. But it's not a clear delineation of, it's not a separate character like Flash or Green Lantern. It's not a clear change in tone and, or setting. It's just, all right, well, let's, Maybe let's try something a little bit different. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to have that sort of in mind, that it's this gradual change instead of something huge, which is why I think I think you're absolutely right. Green Lantern, especially if Green Lantern's going on at this exact same time, like the comparison of how sharp that change is going to be and that complete of a break from the past style and being able to do interesting sci-fi stuff that's going to be a trip yeah that's going to be an absolute trip uh and then i wanted to close out for my stuff on just sort of what else is going on at this point another bit of time skip looking at like a broader context uh both in terms of general history and the comics 
so in, the other stuff that's in these issues of Adventure Comics, the first, maybe the first half of the comics we look at is, it is Superboy and Aquaman and Green Arrow. Those are the three primary stories in each uh, issue, and then there's a couple like little one-page gag things. Uh, so you have Superboy. First off, you have Superboy. Yeah. Uh, and which is your which is your lead up to the Legion of Superheroes. So. Yeah. And it, you do occasionally have like people dropping in on Superboy who are like interesting sci-fi heroes, and it's like I'm guessing you're part of the Legion of Superheroes, but it's not entirely clear, and I'm kind of skimming it. Uh, but yeah, you have Superman or Superboy dealing with red kryptonite. Ooh. So they're introducing that kind of the weird experimentation stories. You got Green Arrow, like I mentioned. You, but I mentioned that that was only like the layout for the first half of the stories we looked at. For the second half, Green Arrow gets, I believe, gets his own uh, his own comic, or he's headlining in a different comic or something. I don't remember which. Uh, instead, his gets replaced by. Kong Gorilla, who is a white man in Africa who can switch bodies with a golden ape and fight villains. It's like... Good. Good, right. yes, good. All right. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, we do also, in addition to, like, the the one-page gag uh, stories, we have PSAs about, like, good behavior and international aid organization. Like, this seems, like, extremely uh, comics code. Every single issue has... A one-page comic that's like talking up uh, international aid organizations, like, "Hey, the United Nations. Uh, here are two folks in Mexico from from two different villages. Like, one person talking about, yeah, we we brought in an expert who could who helped us set up like a communal kiln, and now things are going better economically. That sounds great. I should learn more about that. Kind of like, okay, yeah, real hard-hitting stuff for kids. That uh, and then also like keeping your room clean. So it's yeah. it's all over the board. <laughs> that's, that's some weird, it's a, some weird dis distinction. That's a lesson plan that nobody made up. The stuff that is a little more targeted at kids is the ads. Mm. Uh, Tootsie rolls. Tons of comics or uh, little thing advertisements for Tootsie rolls. Like a lot of comics will end. Like the bottom third of that last page will be an ad for Tootsie rolls. Uh, Daisy brand air guns. A lot of issues will have two separate pages uh, that are ads for Daisy air guns. Okay. Uh, and they've got the same kind of like sell stuff, earn prizes, uh, things that you rem I remember from the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, and ads for other comics. Specific I mean, other comics like in the DC late umbrella, but yeah, there's a whole lot of... Uh, I think, like, the Superman comics will have little ads for, here are all the other Superman-related comics that are out there that you can get. They're really trying to, like, punt you all throughout the different things. And actually, some of the letters, uh, like, their responses to the letter columns uh, will be, will talk occasionally, like, hey, that's a good idea. We've got something like it coming up in uh, Lois Super Lane's or, uh, yeah. Superman's Girlfriend uh, in a little bit. Stuff like that. It's actually kind of interesting. Hmm. Uh, and then, like we talked about, they do have like those crossover stories occasionally within an issue, uh, like with Green Arrow and with uh, Aquaman. But yeah, so that is what I have on Aquaman. Awesome. But that's going to do it for us today. Uh, recommendations. Um, 
Wonder Woman Volume 2 of Rebirth. I would suggest mm-hmm. reading that before you read Wonder Woman Volume 1. Volume 1, The Lies, is good, but you really do need to read Volume 2 first to understand what the hell is going on. Um, volume 2 is kind of the Rebirth re, uh, re-origin story. It's the Rebirth retcon of Wonder Woman, and it's really good, and it's really worth reading, and I really recommend it a lot not that the not that volume one isn't good but volume one is only i think in my mind good when you read volume two first but it's worth reading i love the art i think the storytelling is really good the uh uh the encino man situation of diana like you know learning how to speak english is great you know dr minerva being introduced wonder woman trying soda just like spitting it out she's like it's way too sugary it's it's all great and i love every single bit of it and it's not corny it's wholesome it's 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 warm it's it's personable it's not making fun of diana it's just like oh bless her you know like <laughs> it's that way kind of it's, it's great so i would really recommend it on my end i most of my comics reading for this episode was digging through all those various other uh stories that you kind of already heard me talking talk about I do think there's value to be had in reading some of that era of like Superman comics because it kind of showcases what kinds of stories you do that try to be Superman like in that brand but don't have the brawls. Right. Like and especially for Superman like that actually kind of works reasonably well. It's like one of the stories is Clark becomes a firefighter. Uh but what I'm going to recommend is Year's Best Science Fiction and Fantasy. Hmm. Uh, and it's just an anthology. Uh, there are a couple different Year's Best anthologies. I think they do like horror. Uh, there's some other stuff. Uh, but Science Fiction and Fantasy, just it's a brick. It's like 300-odd pages. It's got however many short stories those are. And sometimes they run the gamut between like, okay, like a one-pager to maybe they've got a novella. And that series has just always been really well curated. I've really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that I've read in there. That whole thing, if you're looking to read uh, good sci-fi. Awesome. We're in, we're in new territory, everybody. It's terrifying. We're, change is weird and, and exciting and scary, so get ready. Silver Age. Uh, we're going to finish off Aquaman next episode, and then we're going to move on to some other characters. But we did it, everybody. We made it. We made it here. We the we we didn't crash. So, thanks for sticking with us for this journey, and and now it goes into a new and exciting direction, and we're we're happy to share it with all of y'all. Sea hobo. <laughs> He's a sea hobo. He didn't even have a place that he lived. Aqualad had to make it. I, I, water hobo. Water, water hobo. hobo. Yeah, I I, I like I kind of like the pacing of water hobo. Yeah, water hobo's better. <laughs> DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and DCDetectivesPodcast.com. Adjusting to this new reality would take time. We had just begun to understand the Golden Age, comfortable in its awkwardness and pioneering attitude. Truth be told, though, we had gotten somewhat tired of the monotony and the lack of imagination. It was a brave new world, and as we made our way to the waterfront, we decided to grab the fish by the gills and investigate this Aquaman more.